You are now tuned in to another episode of On My Grown, the podcast. I'm your co-host, Rodney Boyd. I'm your co-host, Melanie Mitchell. And our guest today is... Cornelius Lindsay, uh, pastor of the Gathering Oasis Church. So, um, for the you know, you guys probably saw on social media in different pl- spaces. We've advertised that. You know, this episode, we're going to take uh, listener-submitted questions uh, about Christianity in particular, and we're going to ask a, a pastor, you know, to answer them, and, uh, and we're going to have a conversation, hopefully get some clarity for, you know, our listeners and, and just anyone else who was interested. And our goal with this is not to... It's not to just, you know, give you all the answers you need for your faith and have you walk out of here, you know, bet. I know everything. Right, right. <laughs> we will accept an offering, but. <laughs> you would like some prayer. <laughs> we will accept an offering, but we, my, our goal with this is really just to kind of give you some more information, intrigue your curiosity, and, and, and encourage you to go find, you know, and, and keep digging and keep getting those answers you want. So, um, you know, without further ado, Cornelius, if you could kind of just give our audience a little background on who you are and how you got to, you know, to where you are now. Um, 30 years old. I have a beautiful wife, Heather Lindsay. I have two kids, a little boy, Logan, a little girl, Taylor, who will be two next month. Um, born and raised in Newton, Mississippi, backwoods, born in a double wide trailer. Uh, kind of have the regular kid story life, two parent household. Um, but Dad was kind of there. I mean, Dad was present but silent. Uh, went through that for most of my life. And you know what? I was, uh, I was an academic student. Didn't really like sports. Kind of went through all that stuff. Went to college. Uh, stayed in college for a year and a half until I dropped out. And then I started pursuing my faith. And uh, that led me to where I am now in ministry. Just following the Lord and kind of seeing where he, he, leads, where he leads and he guides me. So when would you, at what age did you start going into ministry? You were like 20? Uh, I was 21. I think I was 20, 21 or 22 maybe. 22 when, when I started going to ministry, yeah. So about eight years. Yeah. Eight years. Um, and you're a pastor of a church, and how long has your church been? Uh, we've been, I've been pastor now for four years. Church okay. was planted four years ago. All right. Uh, so just start, we're just going to, you know, hit these questions because it's a lot of stuff that I know is going to lead to us having some, some more in-depth conversations. So the first one is, you know, we, we throw some, some real easy over the plate. Um, <laughs> what are your responsibilities as a pastor? Ugh. Um, I mean, not, ugh. I mean, it's, uh, it's almost like you're a father over, over your, over kids. Um, not, and I don't want to call parishioners kids. I don't want them to assume that's what they are, but, uh, many ways, you know, you, you need to provide, you need to protect, you need to honor them. Um, and these are, these are mostly adults. So uh, big responsibility is to make sure that you help them through their highs, uh, that you can see them through their lows, uh, marry them, bury them, congratulate them. Unfortunately, you have to rebuke them. You have to discipline them. Uh, but ultimately, you teach them and you, you help them to grow and help them to be edified. Uh, so what are your favorite things about preaching? Ooh, um, my favorite things about preaching. Ah. I don't, I don't really have any favorite things about it because I'm always nervous every time I do it. I, I am. I, I am. I, it may not seem that way for some people, but I'm always nervous because I, I take it so highly. And, I, and, you know, in preaching, the most precious thing I believe that a, 
that you can do is be able to minister to somebody else's soul. Mm. Because I always believe that whoever's listening, whoever's listening to me can build a whole life off a foundation that I'm giving them. And it's just hard because you don't want to give somebody the wrong information to go and build a whole life off of something. And they're like, like, man, I was just playing like, you know, like that, that's really bad. So, I mean, I, the preaching part is, is difficult. The meeting the people while preaching, while traveling to preach, that that's pretty fun. Okay. Um, Mel, I think. Okay. Next question. You know, living in the West, especially today, but, you know, just throughout history, bad things have happened. And, you know, um, like I just read a tweet the other day that was like, oh, y'all believe in a God that let our ancestors be enslaved for 400 years. Stuff like that. And people, mm-hmm. their reasoning for not believing in God is like, well, why would God let X, Y, Z happen? Right. So my question is, why do you, like, why does God allow things like bad things to happen or let you go through certain things in life? Well, I think that, I think that it all comes down to perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, if we have to look at what is good and what is bad. And, and for us, you know, we, we think in perspective, you know, if, if mama died, mama died from cancer, mom, mom died from a car accident, then that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But in actuality, the scripture tells us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, that no matter how mom died, we believe in based in our, in our faith, in our faithful perspective, that mama is still with the Lord. It's mm-hmm. just that we retain and we keep you know, the memories of mom, and it becomes very sad that mom is no longer there. Uh, when things happen, like like World Trade Center, for instance, I get that all the time. World Trade Center or a tsunami takes place. It's like, well, why would God allow for this to happen? And And we have to always realize that God is sovereign, that God does what he chooses to do, how he chooses to do it. I don't believe that, that God is necessarily in... Uh, into the destruction of mankind. I believe that, you know, he, he did what he did, but after the, um, after Noahic co- uh, covenant and that he would no longer destroy the earth with water. I don't necessarily take that that's what's happening, but you have to realize that after the garden of Eden, when sin continued to perpetuate through the, through the earth and through the, through the world, that this earth is slowly dying and decaying away and men left up to their own devices uh, and a part of free will, men left up to their own devices, they kill each other. We murder, we, we murder, we kill, we lie, we steal. And ultimately, bad things happen. I don't think not necessarily because God is bad, but because the sin that has crept up inside of us in our society, it deems it as such, and now it prepares that type of environment for it. But God, God himself is completely, I believe he's neutral in the sense. He, he is just a just judge. He says, I've given you what you need, but then you still have those who kind of who counteract that. It's <laughs> like God, like look. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but, but I don't know. <laughs> like I can help, but you did that. Yeah. So you know, I ain't. It's kind of like playing Sims. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a way of looking at it. They say it's like playing God. I don't want to be like blasphemous because uh-huh. I love playing Sims, but it kind of. Yeah, I kind of just you like uh, go family. to the bathroom. It's like no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to the bathroom today. Now I'm pushing the pool and I'm taking out the exits. You got to do what you got to do. Uh, so a question that um, a lot of people ask and has even come up on our podcast before is, how do I catch the Holy Ghost? No, I, I really hate that phrase because the and, Holy Spirit and, is not a ball. Like, I hate that <laughs> phrase. He's not a ball. Oh, no, you have a, oh, you're good? Catching, oh, just catching him. Was, Got you. Yeah, I was, he, he, he's not, he's not a ball. And, you know, I think that throughout history, what happens is, is that the Holy Spirit has been seen as this, as this it and yeah. not a he. Mm-hmm. And I believe in faith. I believe that he is a he, that he is the spirit. He is the, he is the spirit 
of God and he's not in it. So when he's in it, then you can, you can catch it. Uh, where they get that from is when the, when the Holy Spirit, when he descended upon the people on the day of Pentecost, then they say, well, you know, they caught, they caught the Holy Spirit. And then now today they're trying to catch him. He's not a ball. Right. He, 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 I don't, he's not, we don't have to wait for him to descend upon us for, because he's already here. Okay. So if we understood that, that process and we would no longer use the phrases like, Oh, he just caught the Holy spirit. It's like, no, you didn't catch the Holy spirit. Most of the times you just, you want to dance and you got happy and you just happily danced. So sister Jenkins, she just been running around. You, you just, no you, you running, you, right. you trying she to, you're just... right. it's extra. It's extra. <laughs> it's like, well, something just happened to me. And a, and a lot of that could be spiritual. And a lot of that is not the Holy spirit. Okay. So what, I mean, so how do we interact with the Holy Spirit? Is it in us? Is he around us? Mm-hmm. Like, well, well, we, well, I mean, <laughs> for, I mean, for our faith, I believe that, that God is omnipresent. That means he can be any kind of, he can be anywhere where he chooses to. Uh, the scripture also tells us that he dwells on the inside of us, that he indwells our temple. Okay. So we believe that his spirit takes over ours and that because his spirit takes over ours, now he can now produce the fruit of the spirit within us. He now gives us gifts. So we interact with him or we should, I believe in the same way in which we interact with one another. It's just that you can't you don't see him you don't touch him but that you you really know that he's there and you know that he's there because you begin to see the fruit being produced in your life and you also see the gifts that he gives to you the gift of prophecy or or administration or the gift of helps you see those things operating in your life as well um you you brought up something so how can so just as god is omnipresent Mm -hmm. is the enemy and what authority does the enemy have Mm -hmm. on the earth well, it says it says that the enemy is the ruler of the of the earth right now, and and um, I think we give him a lot more credit than what he really should have. I mean, in fact, if you look at sin itself, he just sin sin is sin is pretty much doing the job. It is 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 running rampant up, up on the world, and because we come forth from our mother's womb um, in sin, then. You know, it's like you don't you don't really need the enemy to kind of sit there and tell you you need to go eat that. Our our natural inclination is to go towards that which is sinful, that which is harmful. That's why the Holy Spirit compels us to to be convicted to turn away from it. Um, is the Holy? I mean, is is uh, is the enemy is the enemy omnipresent? I don't believe so. Um, we can look back in in. Uh, in Old Testament, we noticed that that he was just an, he was just an angel who fell from heaven, and I don't believe that angels have the capability of being everywhere at all times. Uh, so I don't I do not believe that he is omnipresent. I just think that we give him a lot more credit for a lot of things that I don't think he he naturally deserves the credit for. Okay, I'm going to skip around a little bit with the questions, but just to kind of transition well with your answers. So um, you talked about the Old Testament. So what is the difference between old and new? Um, are we to take the Bible literally like some things in the Old Testament that, you know, um, there's an argument, Twitter again, I'm uh-huh. always on Twitter. <laughs> there's an argument about, you know, homosexuality being an abomination. And mm-hmm. then someone reversed like, they, oh, it's in Leviticus and it's an abomination. They said this and they were like, well, okay. Well, they also said shrimp was an abomination. Right. So how literally are we supposed to take the things in the Old Testament? And how would you suggest like 
someone to read the Bible and digest it? That is a really, really good question. Um, the Old Testament itself is is the Old Covenant, and the New Testament is the New Covenant. So the Old Covenant was was that between, in the beginning in Genesis, that between God and man. When God created man, God gave man dominion, gave him purpose, gave him authority, gave him all these things. Sin crept in. Now, because sin crept in, now the relationship between God and man, it was separated. God and man no longer had that covenant. God searched the earth uh, for a man. Uh, who could who we could cut covenant with? That's where we get Abraham, which most religions still believe in Abraham, yeah. Father Abraham. But he he found Abraham. He cut covenant with him. You see, you start seeing that in Genesis twelve. You start seeing in Genesis eighteen where he now cut a covenant with Abraham. He's telling Abraham, all of your descendants shall number the stars in the sky, shall number the sands on the seashore, and then you start to see this covenant starting to take place. The only issue is, is that with the old covenant, there were many laws that were in place. God sent Moses. Moses went up on the top of Mount Sinai. There were there were the Ten Commandments, and man typically took man took those Ten Commandments and added onto those Ten Commandments, and that's where you get the Book of Leviticus, which is the Levitical law. You had the Levitical, you had the Levites, you had the priesthood. So the priests were responsible once a year on the day of atonement to go up into the holies of holies where the spirit of God rested and to sacrifice an animal. They were to make a sacrifice unto God. The only issue is, is that the the sacrificial blood of animals, it atoned, but it didn't remit. Atoning means that it just covers it. Remitting means that it gets rid of it. So now we have this issue where every year this has to happen. If a priest actually went into the holies of holies, and if he himself was found in sin and and his sacrifice is not acceptable, then he would die. That's why they would tie a rope onto him and just pull him out if he stayed up there too long because he fell dead in the presence of God. But nevertheless, um, you see this happening between the old the old covenant, the Old Testament. You get to the very end of Malachi. Now you get into Matthew where we start the New Testament. The only issue is is that the New Testament, where we start in the Bible with Matthew, is just where the emergence of Jesus really comes onto the scene. Um, but the New Testament itself, the New Covenant, does not begin until after Jesus, after the blood has been shed, that now he has been buried, uh, he's now dead, now he's, he's resurrected, and now you begin to see the New Covenant. And the, the good thing about the atoning blood of the animals is that it just covered it. When Jesus, when, you know, the old songs, when they say, now he washed me white as snow, and now he's washed, he's taken it all away, because his blood actually remits the sin. He cast it as far as the east is to the west. So the old covenant is basically telling you what, what, what what we had. The new covenant is basically telling us this is what we have now. And we're to put full faith in, in Jesus Christ. Um, to answer the part of your question where it talks about homosexuality and shrimp and all that kind of stuff that is in the book of Leviticus. You do see it also in like Romans chapter one, where it starts to mention homosexuality and all these other type of things. The, the, the issue though, is that if you, if you try to bring the old into the new, the problem is, is that you will, you will remit grace. And the grace of God, the grace of Jesus comes and the grace says, listen, this is what I'm able to offer you because I know that none of you can keep this. The Pharisee tried to tell Jesus, listen, I fast, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I have. I do all these things. And Jesus says, this sinner will enter into heaven before you do. The reason being is because it is no longer about the works that you have, but rather about the faith you have in me. So you believe in Jesus Christ. And then you, and then now, because you believe now the work should follow with it. James says, Faith without works is dead, but faith is where it comes. So salvation is truly the grace is I'm, I'm saved by grace. 
through the faith I have in Jesus Christ. For new believers, I always encourage them not to start with the Old Testament because they will lose themselves in it. I encourage them to start with the book of John. That is a book that was written for unbelievers. Uh, you start the book of John, then you go Matthew, Mark, Luke. You learn about the life of Jesus. You go to 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Then you go to Romans, Acts, and then you, I mean, Acts, Romans, and then you go through the, the New Testament. Before you get to the book of Revelations, then I encourage you to go to Genesis, read the Old Testament through, then come back to Revelations. Because you will get straight up Revelations, Daniel, Revelations and Daniel. Those are two books where you will get, it, it's, it, uh, it can be very difficult to follow along. Mm-hmm. And an answer question about is it, do you look at it literally, figuratively? There are a lot of things in the Bible. Some things are extremely literal. Some things are extremely figurative. Um, and I don't think that that's left up to perspective so much like Song of Solomon. That, that's, a, that's a book that is completely figurative. And some of those things are completely figurative. But then when you get to, you know, like, um, like, you know, like the book of Galatians, that's a book that is extremely literal in the sense that he's writing actually to the church in Galatia. So, yeah. yeah. So one thing, you know, a few things I get from your answer is it's important to understand, I guess, the context of each book right. of the Bible. Um, and kind of, you know, what it was intended for, who wrote exactly. it and, and, and that thing. And then also, um, I feel proud of myself when I think of like the old covenant and the new covenant, the old covenant of atonement was more like you're making minimum payments on your credit card. Right. You know, your creditors ain't going to call you, but you're not really clearing no, exactly. no, you know, the debt. You still got interest. Right, right, yeah, right, exactly. right. But Jesus comes in and says, I got you. Exactly. And now. Don't worry about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you ain't got no more minimum payments to make, you know, because Jesus came in exactly. and took care of it. So. Exactly. Exactly. It's, that's actually one of the best examples of it I've I've heard. Um, offering Check you out. is going up now. <laughs> cash up offering. Please, uh, yes, see my cash tag. Love offering for Brother Rodney. Um, so kind of going along with, with that last question, mm-hmm. uh, this was one that was submitted uh, via Instagram, and uh, I thought it was really uh, interesting. In a world that is increasingly viewing the Bible as a loose set of guidelines, Mm -hmm. what is the threshold of God um, when it comes to, I guess, Christianity and salvation? Right. What is the threshold of God? Whoa. Um, You know, while we have grace here on the earth, there is a day when grace will be cut off forever. Uh, When we all stand before him, as it says in the book of Revelations, when we all stand before him at the at the throne, then that that day of grace will be no more. Uh, We will assume that, you know, well. I, I can still kind of get I can kind of get in when I want to. The only issue is is that uh, there will still be judgment on that on that particular day. Um, our world is changing. Our world our world is our world is is changing. And and with each with with each set with each day of how it changes, we have to always remember that God doesn't. That while God will not rain down water and flood the earth anymore, um, it's. The scripture is very clear that it won't be water next time, but it'll be fire next time. So um, there is there is judgment that is coming. <clears throat> There's only but so long that God will keep his keep his vengeance away, to keep his wrath away. But you have to the, the, that should never be a fear for Christians, 
Because if you truly believe in who he is, then like a good father, he does not come to, he's not coming to burn us up because he's mad at us. Like, I think for many years, I felt like, well, maybe God is mad at me. And that's why he's, he has to come back and punish me because of all the things we've done. We got to punish the earth and punish, punish, punish. But God is really a loving God. And he's really saying, you know what? I want you to get this right. And I want to give you enough time to get this right. <clears throat> the only problem is that you guys aren't trying to get this right. Uh, Paul talks about it to, uh, to Timothy. <clears throat> he tells him, says in the last days, these are the things you're going to see. Uh, it's talked about in the book of Revelations with the churches. The church is going to be, uh, the church is going to, it's going to have all these things, but it's going to be uh, naked and blind. So the threshold of God, God, remember, God is patient. We know he is because he gives us the gift of patience. He's very long suffering. So we know that because he gives that to us. So the threshold, I can't really measure that. However, we, I do know that it's, it's best to always be ready. So you never have to get ready. Mm. Stay ready, cause it could be tomorrow. It could be tomorrow. No man. Knows Our grandma's the time. been saying. Hey. <laughs> Our grandma's been saying all these years. You know, these are the last days. <laughs> One of these days is gonna be the last day. I'm just waiting. It's like God, <laughs> start raining too hard. I'm like, okay, that's it. it ain't gonna be rain, but that thunder and lightning. I don't know. Is that fire? <laughs> is that fire? <laughs> right. Huh? Yeah. So it's real hot outside. Okay, that's my turn. Um. Hmm. Okay. I like this one. Because <laughs> I, I have all the questions with the bullet points, clearly. So I'm going to talk for a second. Okay. So can you define sin? Bullet point one. Why does the church tend to focus on things that are sexual sins opposed to other sins like anger or jealousy? And the second bullet point is it's masturbation of sin since it's technically not sex before a marriage. Okay. Wow. This is a really good question. So uh, sin is a transgression against, against God. Uh, anything that we do that is against the law is a sin. Um, the Bible is very clear. It says that it says that what basically the 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 law that you be the, the law that you will believe in will be the sin that you will break. So, for instance, if you believe that eating shrimp is a law that you should that you should not break, and you break the law, then you are now guilty of being sinful. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sin is a transgression against God, a transgression against His law. Um, the next question or the, the, the piece of that was why does the church focus on sexual sins and not other, because sex is a big, sex is a big deal. Sex is a huge deal. Um, I think the criticism that I'll have here is, is that the church, oftentimes we focus so much on the, on the sexual aspect of it without giving care to the other thing, because, um, because we as we as beings, we're sexual beings. We're fascinated with sex. There's yeah. something about us that are That's how we all very, got here. Yeah, I mean, it's hey. it's very it's very fascinating, and it's fun. It's exciting. It's it's enjoyable. The issue, though, is that the church likes to shy away from introducing it in the church. We don't want to necessarily talk about it. We don't even want to talk about what's good with it. We just want to always talk about what you shouldn't do with it. And that right there kind of it, it, it really pushes people back. And I think our generation is looking at that and they're like, but OK, but everybody's doing this. Even everybody's doing the church. And then you'll find out this preacher just slept with somebody else. So y'all doing it. So (laughs) why can't we talk about this in the church? So it has to be, it has to be a safe place where people can come to the church and feel transparent enough to be able to talk about sex. Mm -hmm. Um, all of the other things, I mean, murder, anger, malice, all those things are, they, they're just as equal. Oh, the problem is, is that the church, we have a fascination with sex, but that's mostly because we're sexual beings. Mm-hmm. Is masturbation a sin? I mean, I look at it as autosexuality. That's like <laughs> sex with self. 
So I mean, you know, you're you're kind of you're kind of pleasing yourself. I, I I won't I won't go as far as saying it as saying it as a sin. I might get sent to hell for that for for some of your more fire and brimstone preachers. Um, but I do believe that you know that God created us is to be to be selfless beings, mm-hmm. and our goal is to now make sure that we're giving for somebody else and saving ourselves for somebody else. So if we're not doing that, then you know we're kind of giving into self and going with our body. I had somebody who said, you know what? Well. If if me if me masturbating is bad, then why is me not picking my nose bad? I mean, I'm still taking care of my body. So I mean, you know, it it, it goes back to autosexuality. It goes back to what what you're doing, self cleaning. So, you know, it's a it's a it's a part of your body. But sex is one of those big things. The Bible is not clear on masturbation being a sin. Yeah, I, I remember one scripture someone tried to use was saying wasting seed. He's wasting seed. He 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 spilled, but but that that had a deeper meaning to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that he God they they needed to have a seed in order to have in order to have a lineage back then having a son having having somebody take on the family name was huge he didn't have he didn't do that he had sex and he wasted the seed that was supposed to go in so but that that wasn't that wasn't he wasn't masturbating <laughs> and then the other thing they usually use is if your right hand is how how the scripture scripture goes. If your right hand offends offends thee, then chop it off your left eye and pluck it out. Um, but you still have to understand what that means contextually, contextually mm-hmm. speaking. So, yeah, I'm one of those preachers where I'm like, you know, the Bible is not clear on it. And for me to come and, and bring a law for that, it's just going to put more people in bondage. Hmm, I like that. Okay. So real quick, I have a follow to kind of that, you know, that question or that answer. Um what are some ways that we as Christians, you know, when we're outside of church, that we can get the context of scripture, of the book that, you know, of the book in the Bible? You know, like if I want to study my Bible and I really want to get it, mm-hmm. how do I, where, where are some places I can turn to get context? Well, I think the best thing to do is whatever scripture you read, make sure that you read the entire chapter of it. Okay. Make sure you read the entire, entire chapter. And what I like to do is I like to ask the questions, who, what, when, where, why, and how? I want to know why was this written, who wrote it, when was it written, what was the time period like. So it takes an in-depth study of it because you have to really ask yourself the question, um, who, who, is, who is doing that? <laughs> Interesting, because my phone rang last podcast. So she took a call. <laughs> I answered, yes, it was However, it wasn't that loud. <laughs> that was an outburst. I offended. But go ahead. But, yeah, that's uh, that. If, I don't even know what I was saying. Uh, who, what, when, where? Yeah, who, what, who, what, when, where? Who, <laughs> spirit of confusion. <laughs> it was the enemy. <laughs> the enemy call. The enemy call. Mm, ain't that <laughs> to throw off I, the word? Who gave the enemy? My oh my god! You were used as a vessel. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean, you you look at the who, what, when, where, how, why. But context context always helps when you know the understanding of the Bible. So. I like to condense the Bible down into like 45, 40, uh, 45 seconds um, so people can understand what it is from Genesis to Revelations, and it's a story of redemption. So. Sorry about that. All right. Thank you. <laughs> you good? You all right? Yes. Okay. Yes. I was just making sure that my phone will no longer be uh, used. Uh, uh, Mel, actually, I want you to ask this next question. Yeah, I was going to say, it kind of what I asked earlier. Yeah. Um, so not to be redundant when you answered from earlier. What would you tell an African-American that is skeptical about following Christianity, given it was taught to us by people who used it to justify our enslavement? Before you answer, it's funny. When I read it, I was like, this is perfect, because I was thinking about that when I asked the question earlier. Then we 
we're talking about basically scripture remixes mm-hmm. when people just use a little chunk <laughs> to get their point across. But that's not what it really means. I just thought of uh, one of the few people that went and actually saw Birth of a Nation mm-hmm. and how they used him to go preach. And that's all the slaves, like, really. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, how he was used to brainwash other people with the word. So how do you, how would you do that? Um, well, to African-Americans, and I, I get this a lot, um, I think that there is a cloud over us, and it's been one over us for so long. Um, Christianity is not something that people, I, I always hear Christianity is something that was taught to us by by the slave owner. And, and in actuality, it was used in many cases to keep us in bondage to slavery. Slaves, obey your masters. That yep. was a big time a scripture that was used back then, slaves obey your masters and the religious, they use that. And they said, well, you know what? I should obey my masters because this is what God would want me to do. However, it wasn't contextual. You have to also understand back then you had many slaves who did not know how to read, mm-hmm. who could not understand context. And they were only listening to what they were given. Unfortunately, the, the old saying is true here. When, 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 you don't, when you don't control how the cookies are made, then you don't really know what you're eating. And because we we couldn't control back then how the cookies were made, how the scripture was remixed, then we only ate what we what we were given from the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to Ethiopia. I, I have I, I've seen where historical biblical artifacts have been found in Ethiopia. Um, I believe that Ethiopia itself is a strong Christian uh, is strong Christian nation. You even see in the Bible. I believe it was uh, John, I believe it was the Apostle John, who who actually sat down, I think it's in Acts chapter 9, but he actually sat down to teach an Ethiopian eunuch. Mm-hmm. He he sat down, because, and, and you, you'll begin to see how Ethiopia and how Africa had a big part to play in our Christian faith. Now, I don't subscribe to the idea that Jesus was this, you know, fair-skinned man with his long blonde hair. I don't subscribe to that idea. I think that it's something of Hollywood. Call it what you want, whatever, wherever it may be. But I think that I think a great deal of our faith is started in is started in this in this cultural. I'll just say cultural area that also includes that of Africa. When some Europeans and Spaniards, when they when they got a when they got a hold of it, they were saying, okay, we can now use this to validate what we're doing. But that's the same thing that people are doing now. I mean, pastors do that to validate why they why they why they you know want to have big offerings because they'll just take one scripture out. And when you don't control how the cookies are being made in the kitchen, then you can only you can only accept what you're what you're eating because you're told that it has the right ingredients. Mm-hmm. And that's why they didn't want to read because then we read it'll be like. Cause that ain't what this says. Right. Exactly. You're supposed to be good to me too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Shut you, up, you stop ever, reading. You never got there. Right, right, right. Exactly. Uh, skip that scripture. Uh, <laughs> um, next one. How does God speak to us? How do how do how are we as Christians able to communicate with God, and how do we know it's God? Mm. Uh, the scriptures. I mean, it's all it's it's kind of over the place with it, but I mean, it's just God is in the He's in the soft whisper. God is also in the thunder. God is in the still waters. He's also in the rushing floods. Um, I believe that God can speak to us audibly. Uh, I believe that I mean I, I believe I've heard him speak to me audibly in the same way that we noticed that he spoke to Abraham, spoke to Moses. I mean, there was a burning bush experience. He's, he's spoken to Elijah. I believe that God can speak to us audibly. Um, and I believe he can also speak to us through conviction. Uh, we usually call it conscious. This is my conscious talking. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times I believe that that's God. He's saying, you know, there's times where you're like, 
you know, um, I shouldn't be eating this. And God's that's God telling you, don't eat this. The problem is, is that we we follow the voice of the one in which we typically naturally follow the voice of the one that that flows more with what we like. And because of that, we go with the voice that kind of flows with more of what we of what we want to do, not what is the best for us. And the voice of God is going to always be that voice of righteousness can always say, let me pull you in the right direction. But the voice of the enemy or the voice of, of our of, of sin says, you know what? I don't want to pull you in the right direction. I want to pull you in a way in which you want to go. And that way always leads to destruction. So how do you know? Well, I guess you said the, doing the right thing. Because mm-hmm. sometimes it might be the right thing. I'm like, is this God or is it me? Right. How do I know this is God talking? It's still right. in my voice because I don't think I had actually. Who was I asking? Like my, I think I was asking my mom. Um, like, you know, we don't have, I don't know everyone's life. Right. But like burning bush. Like, you know. We don't have. Hmm? You, ain't, you ain't even counting no burning bush. <laughs> no, I mean, I, no. I, I missed the email that went out. I was like, hey, your burning bush is like a left. Right, like we don't have God. I feel like in the earlier days of the Bible, like God was like there, like mm-hmm. all right, we gonna we gonna you know uh, split the Red Sea. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like we're just gonna have like big just showings of this God. Just like we know God's here. Like God up the street. Signs you know and wonders. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Signs and wonders. Look, I ain't in my word like that. For real. I'm, I ain't deep in <laughs> biblical text. But, you know, like, we don't have, like, on the news. So, yeah, young man in, you know, Egypt just mm-hmm. so happened to <laughs> have a burning bush and split the Red Sea in half. And everybody's cool. Like, we don't have those kind of things anymore. I remember you spoke about, what you said, the covenant was something with Abraham mm-hmm. earlier. So, is that when God was like, I'm going to just take a back seat. I ain't going to be out in the streets like I was with my miracles. So, <laughs> I'm going to send Jesus. See, but... I messed up the last time, so I had to send myself down there. So, I ain't even doing all that no more. <laughs> so what? What? You know, you get what I'm trying to Right. Ask, I do. Right? I do. I, I think that you, you will always follow the voice that you pay attention the most. Mm-hmm. I know my mother's voice because I've spent time around her. Mm-hmm. Um, I got lost at the fair one time. I was a little kid. And with people are riding on rides and they're screaming and they're yelling. It's like they're playing games. So you hear all of these sounds around, just a lot of distractions. But I was lost. And the only thing I kept screaming out was, Mom, Mom, Mom. And finally, after about five or six minutes, I heard her scream back at me. I heard her say my name. And she said it a couple of times. And you would, you would, you know, beg the question, how is it that I knew it was my mom? I couldn't see her. Mm-hmm. Um, I still heard all the voices around me. I, people were still playing. People were still laughing. People were still joking. But I still knew her voice. I knew her voice because I had spent time around her. Right. So when you when you spend time around the one, um, when you spend time around that that voice, that's the voice that picks up, and that's the voice you begin to know. Um, and I believe that one of the best places for new believers to start is with the Word of God. Mm-hmm. When you know the Word of God and you're able to understand it, you're able to contextualize it, then it helps you to be able to say, you know what, I know that voice. He's the voice that's telling me I need to do this. I got mm-hmm. that voice. You continue to be obedient with that, and it's just kind of the, the floods break and. Boom. You know. Yeah. Um. Did you want to ask this next one? Or? Um. Sure. Well, I want to ask a question before I forget. Go ahead. Okay. Because <laughs> it's not on the paper. Um. So, I, we were asking, you know, what questions would you have for a Christian mm-hmm. pastor, et cetera. And someone asked, how do, like, where do tithes and offerings go? Oh, my gosh. So, how does that work? Well, um, I guess it really depends upon the preacher. I might, I might screw something up here. Y'all sure y'all me to answer that? I don't, I don't. I mean, I'm shaking I, the table too much. I, don't, I, don't. I mean, but it's, I mean, how many pastors are listening to our podcast? I mean, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Some, some, 
look, some pastors look at it more of like a more of like a Levitical thing. That would mean that, um, you know, the, the tithe is going into the storehouse to help the church. Some pastors look at it like it's not going in to help the church, but it's mostly going to help the priest. So that means that they take the tithe mm-hmm. and that becomes their earnings. Like the church is helping to take care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, some churches, some pastors believe that the tithe goes to help the church. That's where. I believe that the, the the money comes in, it goes to help the church. I also believe that tithing, while it has while it has a cultural historical significance to it, and what it's supposed to do and why it's supposed to do that, uh, tithing itself in the traditional legal sense is something that we have. It's something that when you look into the new covenant, when you look into the New Testament. Paul gives something, Paul says something to the churches that is very, is very clear. And Paul says, give as you are compelled to. Mm-hmm. He didn't say give because you have, you are an obligation to give a 10th. So if we, if we keep in our minds that the 10th is all that God wants from us. And I think that that's, that's very, that's a very elementary way of looking at him. We notice in the new Testament that everything belongs to him. So we go to him with a hundred percent and we say, okay, God, what is it that you want from here? And that's, that's, that should be our goal. Not, not treating God or like, the church, like, you know what, you're, you're Uncle Sam, you're my bills, you just kind of take this off the top, and then you bless me later on. But to answer the question, though, I, I mean, I guess it really depends upon the pastor. Yeah. And at, at our church, we put, if people tithe, they give offering, however they do it, all that money goes into, uh, it goes into general funds, and it goes to assist the church, and then we take a percentage of that to go into benevolence. Mm-hmm. And that benevolence is is put aside just to help people who can't find places to live. They need groceries. Um, you know, they mom or dad died and mom or dad lives in Florida and they don't have money to buy a plane ticket. So, mm-hmm. you know, we want them to go where mom or dad is so they can be there at the funeral, pay for a hotel. So that's where our benevolence goes. And that's how that's typically how we set our stuff aside. Good. See, everybody ain't on that people who ask the question. Okay. <laughs> So it was your turn. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so I'm going to skip around a little. Um, is there a reason for me to go to church mm. when I can read my Bible by myself and watch sermons on the Internet? Right. Um, well, the reason why they want you to go to school is because you're in the environment. The reason why, you know, groceries aren't at home is because you go to the environment of where the, where the stuff is that you want. Um, I like to look at it as like the as like the coal. <clears throat> if you if you burn, if I had twenty pieces of coal inside of a tin can, and I'm burning the coal, then it's going to all burn, and, and all the coal is going to catch fire because all of it is together. It's in the same. It's in the same can. The only issue is if I was to remove one of the pieces of coal and leave it outside by itself, then while the coal still has the same capabilities of burning like the other, like the other 19 pieces inside the can, that coal pretty soon is going to start to cool off and it's going to be hot for a little while, but it's going to start to cool off and over and over and over again, as time goes by, it's just going to cool off until it's completely cold. Now the other 19 coals, they're burning just fine, but they're all burning because they're together. We are, God created us to be relational beings and the church itself is compared to that of a body. So the body, the arm doesn't say, well, I don't want to be a part of the body anymore. I can just be myself because if I chop my arm off of my body, it's going to die. Yeah. The whole work that we, we work together, we, we work better together. We are the word church. We get it from the, from, the, from the word ecclesia, which doesn't just mean sent ones, but it also means army. 
it is where we come together. So we are sent ones, but we are stronger because we are all together as a body. And church should be a place where, as the book of Ephesians says, you are edified by the, by the fivefold ministry, preacher, teacher, all that kind of stuff. You're edified to now go out and do the work of the ministry. So church should be that place you can be edified, and then you can go do some work. Fellowship, eat, laugh, learn, and go. Okay. My question is, as a Christian, am I limited to only enjoying Christian entertainment, such as movies <laughs> and music? So what's the secular line? Is, is basically- <laughs> well, um, yeah, it's almost like your food. How much, how much junk are you willing to take in before it's too much? I think that I think each and every one of us have to ask ourselves that question in terms of perspective. There's a legal answer I could give that says, you know what? Yeah, you shouldn't watch anything that has no cursing in it, this, this, and this. And I mean, that's the personal way in, in which in which I live. But, you know, there are you, you have to look in terms of perspective. What is it that how much poison am I willing to take in to convince myself that it's not going to kill me mm-hmm. or to convince myself that it's not going to it's not going to ruin me? So. You and know? just because it's not Christian doesn't mean it's bad, right? I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. It's some Christian stuff I won't listen to because it's called Christian, but it's not even Christian. Like mm-hmm. some gospel music, they'll say it's gospel music, but it's not even about the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's like it's mostly about, you know, you know, God do this for me, but it's it's not really about what God has, what well, what God has already done for me. So it's not mm-hmm. really about the gospel. It's just. It's just music and it's, it's entertainment. I think it's secular entertainment that is just put God's name on it. Uh, but whether secular, whether Christian, however that goes, it, it really comes down to perspective. And I think that as you, as we mature spiritually, then there'll be some things that you just won't want to listen to and some things you really just won't want to watch. Is there a proper way to pray? Um, I don't actually think it's a proper way to pray. Um, you know, I, I think that prayer itself is very simple. It's communication to God. I think most times we try to make prayer out to be this long equation. You know, you got to pray for an hour a day. You got to pray on your knees. You got to pray this way. You got to lay down on your on your face flat before God. But I think that God desires for us to commune with him throughout the day. And that if we can be riding in our cars, riding a bicycle, listening to, you know, at the gym. And in that moment, it's, it's us being able to speak to our father and knowing that he's there and he's, he's listening to us. Not treating him like he's this, he's this isolated figure that is, you know, sitting somewhere in the clouds. And maybe he'll hear me and maybe he'll touch me. I just believe that my God, the spirit of God is here with me. So I'm in the gym and I know that I'm, I'm struggling. I'm going through it. I may be stressed out. I can look over and I can say, you know what? I'm stressed. I need help. Like, I can't. I just, I'm trying my best to do this and I'm just depressed and I'm this. And I can be able to talk to him like that and not treat it like, you know, oh, Heavenly Father, thy God, I come to thee. It's just, that's just so rehearsed. Like, I don't talk to my dad that way. Why would I talk? Why would I talk to God? How would I know how? Yeah. Oh, Rodney Sr. That's so funny. Oh, okay. Father who buys groceries. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going off of the list again because I just go against the grain. But um, I'm a pastor's kid. Both my parents are pastors. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know I knew growing up it was stuff I couldn't do. Like, to this day, I still have not seen that one Harry Potter film because I wasn't allowed to growing up. And then as I grew up, I was just like, I don't care. Right. It's over. I missed the wave. <laughs> yeah, I, I missed it. It's not even cool no more. Um, I snuck and watched Twilight. I, had, I got Twilight. <laughs> I was supposed to back it. I was like, I'm in high school. I'm going to watch it. I'm not missing out on another craze. But just like as a parent, what I know your children are young, but like, right. what are some things that you know they can and cannot do? Like, what kind of pastors' kid parameters do you mm, give them? <laughs> well, um, I mean, there there are things that we don't want them to listen to. There are 
it's a it's a lot of stuff we don't we don't let them watch. The craziest thing is is that you know our kids they still find a way. Our son's four years old. He still finds a way. Like he, <laughs> like we were we were somewhere. We were in California. I think it was at Legoland or something like that for his birthday. And and um, I'm in. We're inside. Like they had this like this children's like party. I mean, like with strobe light. Like it was crazy, but they were playing all, cumin, all, all, all kids beat. So I thought, so we walked in there and unfortunately the DJ, like playing all these kids things, we walk in and we were only, you know, people call it there. And as we walk in, they started playing, um, soldier boy. <laughs> and I was like, Soldier really? Boy. So I'm sitting and I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I'm going to teach my kids. I'm, I'm going I'm to sit here and do this. So I'm sitting here, you know, channeling back to my <laughs> high school years, you know, doing this stuff. And. And, and I didn't realize my son's sitting there, he's like, you, you know, he's doing the same thing. And I'm like, well, how did you know this? And he's like, he's like, yeah, I saw it. And I'm like, well, where did you see this? He's like, oh, I saw it, you know, from, and he'll, he'll say from, you know, from one of my cousins or from this. It's always a cousin. It is. It's always a cousin. (laughs) And we got that bad cousin that teach you everything. Well, we, we want to teach him. And we want we want to protect him, but now we're but now my wife and I we're we're at this new point now we're like you know what we're not going to be able to keep you from everything. Mm-hmm. So let us teach you what we believe is right, and then ultimately you're going to have to make the decisions for yourself. Mm-hmm. And before you can, we'll protect you as much as we possibly can. But we're going to teach you. We're going to say you know what this is this is a fun song, but I want to tell you the meaning of the song. And then mm-hmm. it's like oh okay yeah I don't like the song anymore. Yeah. So that's good. Cause, I mean, that's not my parents were with me. But it's like I went to public school. Uh-huh. So once you send your child to public school, you relinquish all rights to <laughs> any kind of influence. Cause it's public school. It's both, yeah. And private school too, though. They yeah. kind of worse. Oh my, yeah. No kids who go to private school. <laughs> I was uh, I was helping with these private school kids, and um, I'm in college. I'm 21. I go to the club. I see one of them there. They 17. I'm like, oh, it's like Ashley Banks because she used to be sliding. Yeah, it's she just the club of will. So yeah, oh yes, you are. Public, private, don't matter. You know, we all kids. School, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, our kids are homeschooled, but it doesn't. I mean, it happens. That I used to work at a church. Kids used to the kids used to have sex on Wednesday night in the back of the church while the pastor's preaching. So I mean, it happens. Yeah, the youth it's like you can't, you can't, you can't stop that stuff. So, kid from church put me on uh, to the song "My Neck, My Back." <laughs> <laughs> We used to, in Vacation Bible School, first off, the best part of any summer, and I'm mad I grew out of it. <laughs> vacation Bible School was lit. We used to perform, uh, what's, dang, how to, Contagious, So Contagious. We would sing it. <laughs> so Contagious. I, I vividly remember being outside of our, like, six and seven-year-old classroom. Like, touch me, baby. <laughs> Kids are horrible. They are. <laughs> horrible. They are. Um, so here's a question. It was, it's, I didn't get a chance to reword it, but. Uh, you know, nowadays Christians are seen as very judgmental. Mm-hmm. Um, as a Christian, how can I disagree with someone's behaviors, mm-hmm. but still show them the love of, that Christ would want me to show? They're not going to see that. They're mm-hmm. not going to see that. I don't. I don't. I don't think that the only other side is going to really take it as that. They're going to still take it as you're, you're judging me. Right. And and in in actuality, I'm gonna be totally honest with you. It is judgment. 
It is judgment. But here, here's, the, here's the crazy thing people don't realize. It's all judgment because they're judging me by saying that I'm judging them because they're using the evidence that I'm giving them and basically saying, well, your evidence, I don't believe your evidence, so your, your evidence is not cool, so now you're judging me. So to even call me a judge would mean that you're judging me. So it's all judgment. It's and that's what I try to get people to tell. It's a circle of judgment. It's a big circle. And, but if we can be respectful, that traveling really gives me an opportunity to sit back and look at different cultures and say, you know what? I don't necessarily believe that, mm-hmm. but I can still be respectful of what you're doing. We go, we love to go to Dubai. I love to go to Abu Dhabi. We love to go to the Middle East. And we hardly, I mean, there are hardly any Christians there. But I don't go there and be like, you know, you're Muslim, walking around, you're going to hell. I don't, I don't, I don't do that. Because it's like, you know what? I can, see very, I can still be very respectful of your culture. I still have, I still believe what I believe, and I'm willing to die for what I believe. But at the same time, I can still be very respectful of your culture, and, and you can be respectful of yours. If given the opportunity, I'll share my faith. If God chooses to open up your eyes, that's fine. But I'm not going to beat you over the head with rules and law to try to get you to, to believe or try to get you to, to beat you over the head and think judgment is going to come because you don't believe me and now you're going to hell. So you won't be on the corner. No, I, I, I used to be the preacher on the corner. Man. I was on the corner. I've been spat on. I have done all those things, but I was the guy I held up my Bible and here you're going to hell and y'all aren't listening because I believed in back. I used to believe in street preaching, but then as I matured, I began to learn something. People weren't listening because there was no connection mm-hmm. and people typically listen when there's a connection. Sure. There's no connection with somebody screaming on the corner. Nobody, as kids, you don't like when your parents scream at you. Like, right. why do you, you don't connect with that. Right. And I believe that evangelism begins one conversation at a time. It's me showing respect towards you, sitting down with you, having conversation, and then me being able to share my faith with you. And then you, hopefully God opens up your eyes and boom, that's, that's when salvation can take place. Right. Let me see where I can go from there. <laughs> That's good. Um, you got one. I got one. You can go ahead. What happens when we die? I believe uh, the scripture says that better to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. Um, when we when we pass away, this this shell, this body that we're in, it's a shell. Um, the body is not. This body is not Cornelius. I believe that I am a I'm a spirit. Um, and that there is a, I, I can, I, I have the ability to think, I have the ability to feel, I have the ability to act, but the spirit itself is what, is what shall be taken. So in funerals, when you see the body still there, that body is not the person. It was just the, the shell of that person. That body will then return to the ground, return to the dust of the ground. As the scripture says, uh, it'll return, it'll return, uh, it'll turn back into dust, even inside of the casket, no longer how long it's trying to be preserved. Um, and then from there, the spirit itself, uh, the spirit itself will, will then rise. The only issue is, is, um, you know, some believe that, when when we die, that we will go to a place, not necessarily purgatory. We'll we'll go we'll be asleep, mm-hmm. um, and then they'll say, well, the rapture will take place. And when the rapture takes place, then the dead in Christ shall rise. So that's what the scripture says: the dead in Christ shall rise in Him, and the dead in Christ shall rise in Him first, and then those uh, who are yet living, then they shall also rise with Him at the point of the rapture. So that's where I subscribe my faith to that at the point of death, um, there's not this automatic. You know, people say, well, they're probably dancing in heaven right now. It's like, well, I don't know if that's really scriptural uh, because the dead in Christ must rise first. And then the Bible says New Jerusalem, 
will come to the earth yeah. and new Jerusalem will be that place of heaven for us. Uh, I think for some reason we have bought into this idea that heaven is this celestial place that is like far away from earth, like in all the just far, far away when I don't necessarily believe that. I think that the, I think the earth itself, uh, when, when rapture takes place, everything on the earth, it shall be swallowed up. Uh, Genesis will begin again. God will start anew. He'll create everything fresh. Uh, and then a creation of everything, you'll begin to see the, the coming back of what has happened. I mean, you'll begin to see, I believe you'll begin to even see Africa, Asia, all those continents begin to come to make their place again as one. You'll begin to see where we begin to live. And I think you'll also begin to see life starting to grow on other planets. Because mm-hmm. you have to think for a people that God never created to die, we couldn't all fit here on earth. Mm-hmm. We would all have to go somewhere else. And you'll, that's why they keep finding you know, I found a stream where there was water on, on Mars. Of course they did. They're supposed to be because everybody can't live on Earth. So, like, what's the best planet, like, to be close to, to, be close to God? Where he going? Hey, where's that hangout spot? Yeah. When I was little, I thought of, like, a concept. I think it kind of came from Men in Black when, like, it's zoomed out. You know, I kept on zooming out. And then, like, some big alien was playing marbles with all the universes. Mm-hmm. So I thought of it like, okay, maybe God's in school. And we're like his senior project. So like <laughs> his project is earth. So he our God, but like his classmate got a whole nother universe over there that he's been working on. And like, or maybe even each planet got a different God. And it's like, we earth, this mm-hmm. earth God. And then that's like Jupiter God. And then that's like, you think Pluto. he'll get a name? I hope, I mean, we've been late. <laughs> I don't know, but, or maybe it's like one big group project. Like maybe everybody's right. Like him and Buddha. Satan ain't doing it. Satan keep Hindu. messing up the group project. <laughs> He's not putting his name on a PowerPoint because Satan been trying to mess his project up. Oh but like, I just think of it one big, like I believe in God and Jesus. But I'm like, what if, you know? Cause it's like, I know we're not the only ones in the universe. I don't know if there's any biblical text to support like aliens or anything, mm-hmm. but like, I just wonder how, like, are you God of all of this? Like, the mm-hmm. whole universe? Like, is there another universe? Oh, this no, this one? is my corner. This is my section. Oh, no, that's the other guy. Like, that's dog over there. <laughs> and then... <laughs> God I think he owns with, the whole thing. Ah, God back with his dog. <laughs> Not like wolf dog, but... So, I mean, but that, I was a kid, but I, I always think about it. Like, so, my other thing is, like, with other religions, like, is everybody wrong? So, we're going to find out at the end, like, who's right? It's like, is it, okay, so the winner is... <laughs> well, I, I, Hinduism. I think, what? I, I could have sworn Christianity. Like, so how does? I mean, I don't know. I, I think I think that everything. I think that everything kind of sprouted out of Christianity. I mean, none, no, there, there really aren't religions out there that dispute Jesus. They don't. They don't dispute the existence of Jesus. They just dispute whether or not he was the savior. Like mm-hmm. Muslims don't dispute Jesus. I have mm-hmm. I have guys who I know who are Muslim and they love me and they say you are you are the Christian king. They believe that a Muslim man should should at least befriend one Christian king. And at least he does, and at least a couple of them do. And and so they don't dispute Jesus. Hindu, they don't they don't dispute Jesus. Confucius didn't can, uh, didn't um, confute uh, didn't uh, dispute Jesus. They don't dispute him. They just think, well, he he can't be the Messiah. I mean, I was I practiced Mormonism for a couple of months of my life because I wanted pizza in college. And mm-hmm. um I mean, they don't dispute Jesus. They just they just tell you he's like your big brother. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, other religions don't necessarily dispute it. I think that everything everything has come out of the uh, come out of the Christian faith, and then they just, in some way, in my view, they they seek to pervert it. Mm. 
So isn't the point of Christianity is to think of, okay, y'all say he exists, but the point is that he's a savior. And that he's the savior. That's the that's big it. point. Right. The big point is that he is the savior and that there is no other way through to, to God except through him. Mm-hmm. And there's, you can't get there any other way. It's not by your works. It's not by your deeds. It's only through and by Jesus Christ. So before Jesus came around, what was the point? Before Jesus came, then it was, it was, it was by, it was by your works. I mean, you sin, but the priest, the high priest you had atoned. to go up mm-hmm. to on the day of atonement and had to, had to make a sacrifice. And that sacrifice only covered the sin. Mm-hmm. It didn't get rid of it. So before Jesus, it was like, I mean, it was hard work. The high priest, like to be a priest back then, it's, mm, like, cause he had, he, that was a lot that he had to carry and he had to carry it. So if you went to hell before Jesus, it was like amnesty when Jesus came out. It was like, <laughs> well, there, you there, come on. There what? was some who was who was pricked out of uh, who was who was taken out of uh, Abram's bosom, mm-hmm. um, and some would believe that that was a place of that was a place like hell, not a place of hell, but more like a place of purgatory, mm-hmm. kind of place where they were just kind of sitting and waiting, uh, not sure where they would go. I even think that I even think that those souls. Those spirits, they're 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 just they're in limbo and they're they're waiting for the spirit of Christ to come for Christ to come and then for for them to rise. Okay. Is it your turn or because I can do this all day? Okay, yeah, I got yeah. a couple yeah, more. Go for it. Um, so you said earlier that so people who die now they don't go straight to heaven. Mm-hmm. It's like a a waiting game mm-hmm. or something based on scripture. So I know, like, we have stuff like Heaven is for Real, like those movies. Where like, oh, I went to heaven, and this is what heaven was like. And some of their stories start to match up. They say, um, even when my dad, he, my dad passed away in 2010, and Sorry. he was in the hospital. Thank you. Um, he was in the hospital, and he was in a coma. He was supposed to, he had a stroke. I don't feel like talking the whole story, but I'm just, you know, just mm-hmm. for context. And he was in a coma, but he woke up one day. He didn't fully wake up, but he was responsive to, you know, look and nod and stuff like that. It would ask him questions. He was able to say yes or no. He was, he wouldn't, he'd be able to nod. And we asked him if he went to heaven. He said yes. And we asked him if he um, saw his mom. He said yes. And we asked him if he saw, do we ask him if he saw Jesus? And I think he said yes. And from the books my mom has read about heaven, they, she was like, if you see Jesus, you can't come back. Mm-hmm. So like. Do you believe in that? It was like something she she said she read a book when it said like when you come to heaven, when you die, you're welcomed like by like all your old loved ones mm-hmm. when you get there. I've heard that too. And you know, and they ask you, I guess if you're not like, in a limbo situation like my dad was in a coma, like do you want to meet Jesus? But they know if you if you meet Jesus, you you can't return. Well, clearly mm-hmm. somebody lying because if you met Jesus, then well no, because maybe they said they didn't want to meet Jesus and they came back anyway. But like that's just like do I get reentry? It's like no, it's like, no, you saw Jesus. You got to say, I get oh, stamped. Man, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> got a bracelet. I, did you see Jesus? Why are you back? Uh-uh. Come back with a J. <laughs> when did you get that J on your hand? Ah, don't worry about it. It's like, are you? Did you see Jesus? So and like, and then we took it as you know he wanted to stay because he clearly was in heaven. So, mm-hmm. do you believe that, or do, are you more of the scriptural? I, I think that I, I, it's you know it's it's I've read books on heaven. I have listened to sermons on heaven. I've watched movies. We've watched all the movies on heaven. The only problem is is that. A lot of the stuff that is mentioned is not necessarily backed up by scripture. Some of it, some of it can be, but I think that you have to really um, eisegete the word and, and eisegete means that you have to take it and kind of move it to how you have to kind of move it, how you want to move it, how you want it to mean. Um, 
but that's you know I've I've heard that when you die, your family members are going to be there. They're going to pull you up, and you'll be able to walk with them. And but but the only issue is is you don't you don't see that in scripture. Mm-hmm. And um, I do believe now. I do believe that God can give you visions. I also believe that God can give you dreams. I feel like I've had supernatural visions, supernatural dreams from God, but. I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't use the subscribers to think just because God gave me a vision of this particular thing that, you know, that's necessarily how it was. I think that sometimes it is very figurative mm-hmm. that God is showing you all of these family members because he's showing you the potential of what you will see, mm-hmm. but not necessarily showing you what you will have. Um, so God can give you a glimpse of whatever the promised land that you're believing for, but I don't necessarily think that that becomes literal. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying, like, like I don't, I, I guess me saying that is me saying, I don't necessarily believe just based that. on yeah the scripture. Yeah. I get yeah, you. I believe based on the, on the scripture. Um, what you Oh, cause earlier you were like, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're in like a, not like a limbo, but just like a waiting. Yes. Yeah, like, so it's, they're not in heaven or hell. Yeah. Exactly. So you just exactly. chilling until judgment day that everybody goes to heaven. Exactly. Everybody I mean, goes. Exactly. Because I mean, the, if, if that was the case, if everybody was just in hell, then, you know, people, they always say, well, you know, the devil's in hell and the devil's doing this. But the scripture actually says that that he that the world is his kingdom right for right now. Then in scripture, it says that he shall be bound. Now, if he's already if he's if he's in hell, he'll be bound and he'll be cast in the hell into the into the burning lake of fire. If he's already in hell, then why would he need to be bound and cast back into hell? Is he just sending demons to just kind of do his, his, his will. And I believe that there are demons I've experienced those things, but the only issue is, is they're not just, they're not just coming from this obtuse place of hell. It's just like, Oh, I came back. Uh, I came back to haunt you. It's like, this is, this is their domain. And this is, this is what they choose to do. And I think is that, earth hell. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say earth <laughs> is hell in earth. Hmm. Now there is a there is a burning core. There were Russian scientists who were digging deep into the core of Earth, and they thought that they heard uh, the sounds of um, of people gnashing of teeth and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you have those studies and stuff like that that are out there. But I think that ultimately you'll you'll know hell because hell will be the the complete engulfing of of Earth, burning up burning up everything because you have to destroy everything in order to get rid of sin. Hmm. You can't leave. You can't leave any any amount of blood. Everything has to die. That means from the from the animals to to the trees, everything has to die in order for in order for sin to be completely defeated. Wow. Huh. Well, I, I got one question. <laughs> um, what was the one that I wanted to ask? Okay, so how do we forgive ourselves, and then what is forgiveness with God? Like, how does God forgive us? Is it something? We ask for, or he just kind of grants. How do we forgive ourselves? And let's let's focus. Okay, let's focus on. I'm sorry. Let's focus on. How does God forgive us? How does forgiveness with God work? Um, Well, God says that God says that if you ask for forgiveness, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. So I think it's very simple. I think that if you if you go to him with with uh, insincerity and asking him to forgive you of your sin uh, because you recognize you're a sinner in need of forgiveness, I believe that he forgives you. And it's not, well, I feel like I've been forgiven. It's just knowing by faith that I've been forgiven. Yeah. I don't have to like 
keep trying to ask him over and over again, God, did you forgive me? Did you forgive me? Did you forgive me? It's like, you still mad? Uh, yeah, you still mad at me? It's like, <laughs> by faith, I believe that you have forgiven me of my sin and I've been washed clean of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, I think we really touched on everything. You know, mm-hmm. even the questions that were left, we, we touched on in some form or fashion. Did right. you have anything? Um, no, I'm, you know, I'm going to be informed. Yeah. <laughs> no, this, this, and so I, I was really excited about doing this episode because when I first came up with the idea of like, I should do a podcast. This was in this concept yeah, of this episode. This yeah. It was like what I wanted to do. I think mm. I, th- I, you know, my hope is that whoever listens, they have learned something. Mm-hmm. They, you know, their perspective has changed, you know, like this is just the start of, you know, something new in, in whoever's life that that's listening to this. Like mm-hmm. I said, I'm not in, I did not intend on y'all to get saved right here, right now. <laughs> Cash at me your offerings. Um, <laughs> You but I hope start. this was a was a start. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anything else you wanted to add? Just I, I think this is an awesome thing that that you all are doing. I think that being able to provide a platform um, to millennials, I think, is is incredibly important. It's incredibly important now, especially to uh, to ethnic uh, millennials. I think that it's it's absolutely incredible that people can come on and they can get something that is that is. Um, both encouraging, informative, but also it's also very lighthearted. I mean, I've watched some of you, I've, I've listened to, to some of your uh, podcasts and I think that they're, they're funny. Which one? <laughs> yeah, I know there, there have been some, but, um, praise the Lord. But I mean, you know what? I, <laughs> I think, I think, that, with us yet. <laughs> I think that, I think that, um, I think that they're also very lighthearted as well. So I think I really love the platform you guys have and it's glad to be able to do this with y'all. Appreciate it. Um, I think on that note, we're going to call it a day, guys. Uh, oh, actually, Mel, can you check social media real quick? Just like our Twitter and Instagram, make sure there's see if nothing got any else. more questions. Yeah. Okay, let me see. Because I'm sure this is something, I, my, I'm sure this is something we'll, re, we'll probably redo, you know, down the road. Um, maybe we'll bring in a panel of pastors or do like a WWE Ooh, wow. match. Panel of pastors. Let me see. Pastors. Um, checking, because I asked like several uh-oh. Sprint is the spirit of Sprint. Mm. Phone not, not working. My LTE off. I'm at 1X. So we may just have to have it in a part two because we okay. think unload. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll have a part two. But uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you so uh, Hope you much. all enjoyed the This is great. Hope it touched your hearts. 